Jesus came, Jesus came in the flesh. And Jesus came to love. Jesus came to heal. Jesus came to renew. Jesus came to save. Now think about those words. Think about your life. Jesus came to love. People just chasing that all over the world trying to find it. Jesus came to heal. Some of us in our mind, we need the healing power of Jesus as well as in our body. Jesus came to renew. Some of us are wondering, we've got to an age, we're thinking, you know, I don't think it's ever going to be different. Where I am is what I'm going to be. What has happened in my life is stuck with me. We don't even see any kind of renewal. Jesus came to save. Listen, all of us are just hanging on. And we need to be saved. And I know it takes faith. Now listen to me. Faith. The opposite of faith is not doubt. That's what the world tells you. The opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is certainty. Do you hear me? The opposite of faith is certainty in this world. Let me try to illustrate that. It takes faith to send your child to school and believe your child will come home safe. You understand that? In this world we live in, it takes faith to believe all the snow on this roof is not going to cause it to fall in. See, you don't have that certainty. It takes faith to believe you've got another hour to live that you're going to make it for lunch. You don't have that certainty. It takes faith for me to believe that my wife will love me tonight. I don't have that certainty. You may doubt Christ, but I'm going to tell you what you need is faith. Because you live your life with faith. Some of you have sex outside of marriage, and by faith you hope you don't get pregnant, because there is no certainty. And you can do all the safe sex you want to do. Other than abstinence. And there is no certainty. You can eat all the healthy food you want to eat. And you may die of a heart attack tomorrow. There is no certainty. It takes faith. And when we come together, some people come in here and they get invited. They say, I just want you to prove to me. Jesus came. That is a historical reality. That doesn't take faith. That's a certainty. He did come. But for Him, listen to me, for you to experience His love takes faith. For you to experience His healing takes faith. For you to experience the renewal He has for you takes faith. For you to be saved takes faith. And God says it's by faith that we come into a relationship with Him. And this morning, I'm asking you to think about faith. Would you bow with me for prayer? Father, help us. This time is Your time. We are here by Your divine appointment. 
Some people came, they never even realized last week or last month that they would be here today. And Father, we just trust this day to You, this time, what's going to happen next. Help us. Help us, please, to keep our thoughts on what You are going to say to us at this time. Father, we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, Your Son. Amen. Today I want you to listen to the story of three very real people. David Tyree, an athlete. Jim Monroe, if you were here earlier, you saw him with the infamous stick. A magician. And Lacey Strum, a musician. And I want you to listen to their words because I believe God is going to speak into your mind His reality that He knows what you need and by faith He is going to ask you to accept what He has for you. Pay attention to the screens if you would, please. Do you know how many minutes there are in a day? 1,440. Do you know how many hours there are in a week? 168. It's interesting to me that rich people cannot buy more hours. Scientists cannot invent new minutes. You cannot even save time to spend it on another day. You've got a little time today. You say, well, I'd like to save it up for tomorrow. You can't do that. Do you number your days? Do you realize how important every single day is? That day we were the underdogs. It was a game many thought was over before we even played. Unless the Giants can come back here, the undefeated Patriots are poised to make Super Bowl history. I knew I was open, but I wouldn't be open for long. Direct snap to Manny. Back to throw. The rush. As I look back, it was easy to see Eli was under duress. It's going to be hit. It's going to be sacked. No, no, he got out of it. Unbelievable. I remember the first moment when I became completely blown away and intrigued with the idea of being a magician. That was the moment that I knew that I could actually be good at this. It is the most fun thing in the world to me. I tend to like questions a lot more than answers, and what a magic trick does is it forces you into a place of questioning, and it pulls the rug of reality out from underneath you to where you're literally left in a place where you don't know what is happening. I was 14 and I recorded my first song. My mom actually helped me to record it. She had some recording gear and it was the most amazing thing to hear yourself recorded. 
never thought in my wildest dreams that I would be a musician for a living. I didn't even think that was possible. As a magician, you're very skeptical, and you realize that most of what's going on behind the scenes is fake or false. The idea of an all-powerful God seems incredibly silly. And when I talk to people that would go to church, I can remember thinking that they were just falling for a simple magic trick. It's like the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain controlling everything. up understanding how to make people believe something was real when it was really not. I am a master of phoniness. I'm a, I'm a charlatan by craft. But I began to ask myself the big God question. I said, God, if you are real, then I need you to bring me back behind the curtain. I need you to show me how it works. And I need you to make this so real to me that I cannot ignore it. forget the day this man walks into my room and he said Mr. Minow I don't know how to tell you this but you have you have cancer I said what and he looked at me and said Mr. Minow he said we cannot cure you of your disease my wife and I God, where are you? I guess you aren't that great. I had been married for five years. I had just a three-year-old girl and a two-year-old little boy. And I needed, I needed more time with my family. I needed more time. Giants drafted me in the sixth round of the 2003 draft, and uh, it was it was everything that I was looking for. You know, I had some tremendous challenges uh, through college, and getting on, getting the field, getting the recognition, and now I felt like you know th th this is finally it. So it was it was about that it was about that glory for me as as a rookie, and I, I just enjoyed every moment of it. Most people would like to think that 
you know, money would solve all your problems. And I found that the money only multiplied the evils that were in my life. It just gave me access to more of the things that I craved the most, whether, you know, if I had women, it just, you know, it just made me that much more likable by women. If I, I loved it, I loved alcohol, and now I was able to get all the alcohol I wanted. I loved, you know, now, whereas maybe in time past, I didn't have marijuana, and now I'm able to buy all the marijuana that I wanted. I, you know, I was one person in public and, and, a, and a totally different person in private. My struggles with alcohol were a lot more than just having a good time and getting wasted and laughing away. I was totally, you know, just inebriated to the point where I couldn't keep my composure. There were times where my blackouts, you know, led me to places where I woke up the next day and naked in a bed and not knowing, you know, what happened the night before. You know, I smoked weed every single day throughout my rookie year, and I began to not just smoke the weed, I began to sell the weed. I'll never forget those sirens in my rearview mirror, the sound and, and how my heart dropped in that very moment. You know, being asked to get out that car and, uh, and them searching the car and pulling out that half a pound of marijuana. And uh, it was a deflating moment in my life. For the first time, you know, as I was being pulled into that Fort Lee jail cell, I realized that I was broken. You know, I was broken and there was no one to look at other than myself. On the outside, you look great. But deep inside, you're searching for something you haven't yet found. There must be something else in life than this. When I was a little girl, we kind of struggled financially. My mom being a single mom with two kids at 18, it was obviously, it was a difficult situation to be in. When I was 10 years old, my cousin, who was three, was like a little brother to me, he was beaten to death by his stepfather. How could I trust in a God that would allow something like that to happen? It just spiraled into depression, and I ended up hanging out with people who had issues like mine in their life and ended up getting involved in drugs and just continued to fuel that depression. When I was 16, I was a um, very outspoken atheist and really searched a lot of different religions and just felt so empty in everything, whether it was in drugs or sex or even just deep thinking and philosophies. It just seemed to all leave me really empty. And uh, since there wasn't anything in life that satisfied the emptiness, I just didn't want to do life anymore. There were times I cried myself to sleep at night. I needed a plan to commit suicide. I just didn't want to wake up anymore. I just was tired of waking up and I just thought, I can't keep doing this. Only to wake up Wishing that I didn't The day I planned to commit suicide, I came home from school early and my grandma wasn't supposed to be home and she just had a way of knowing knowing when something was wrong and 
and she just looked at me and said, something's wrong with you. You're going to church. And that was the last place in the world I wanted to be. I hated Christians. I hated church. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to go to church. And we got into a crazy screaming match. And I just remember saying, if you'll just shut up, I'll go. And when it's over, then I'll commit suicide. Millions are crying, what can I do to be saved from the pressures of life? The pressures are just so great. We have great technology to save time, but we have less time than ever. The tensions in the home, problems at work, health problems, making ends meet. We want to scream at life. We want to escape from life. Adlai Stevenson once said, it's not the days of your life but the life in your days that count. You have so much time, but for what? The things that are broken in your heart and life can be restored in Christ if you put your faith and your confidence in Him. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead for you. He wants to give you guidance in your life. He wants to give you a peace and joy and assurance that if you died, you'd go to heaven. But first, there must be a change. You must turn around. That's called repentance in the Bible. Repent. Repent. When I was in that jail cell, I really just knew I was at the end of my own strength. I realized I'm 24 years old, NFL Special Teams Rookie of the Year, New York Giants Rookie of the Year, and I got everything that anybody could potentially want but it didn't lead to anything apart from decay and death and disappointment. And I was broken. You know, I was broken and, you know, and I realized that, you know what, there was no one to look at other than myself. And at that moment, nothing else mattered. I just knew I needed something more. I just cried out in desperation and just said, God, all I know is I need you. And that following weekend, after I got arrested, I ended up in the back of a church in a fetal position, crying and weeping out to God. I could no longer resist God's love. As I received God's forgiveness, I knew that I was, I was new. The person of Jesus Christ was now a reality in my life. It wasn't just a myth. It wasn't just a figment or this, this idea. The forgiveness of sins is what actually sets man free. And I was immediately transformed. I knew that I experienced a, a love that, would, that had changed my life forever, and I knew there was never going to be any looking back for me. Time is collapsing on us. How much longer do we have? The psalmist requested that the Lord remember how short my time is. My days are like a shadow that declineth, and I'm withered like grass. But thou, O Lord, shalt endure forever, and thy remembrance unto all generations. Think of it. God will endure forever. But on this earth, we're like a shadow that's declining. We're all dying. From the moment you were born, you started dying. How much longer do we have? 
cancer doctor looked at me and said, Mr. Monroe, so we cannot cure you of your disease. There is something, however, that we would like to try. It's called a bone marrow transplant. The problem with your body is that your white blood cells are making bad copies of bad copies. Your body is deceiving itself. It's playing a trick on itself. So what we need to do is we need to completely destroy your system. And what we're hoping to do is we're hoping to find someone in the world whose DNA matches yours close enough to grow a brand new immune system, a brand new blood system from scratch. We're going to substitute someone else's perfect blood on your behalf so that you can live again. God said without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. There has to be a substitute for you who will take the judgment that you deserve, the death that you deserve, and that substitute became Jesus Christ. I was thinking to myself, man, my time is running out. I am dying of cancer. It's been hard to deal with right now. Peyton is three years old and Gavin is two years old. My two babies. Should this take my life early, I love you. They began the most vicious concoction of chemo. The goal of which was not just to destroy the cancer in my body, but was literally to destroy me. It was hell. It was a slow death. I really am scared. I'm really trying not to be fearful, but I am fearful. I'm trying to be strong for my wife and for my, for my family. But uh, I'm pretty scared. from the National Bone Marrow Donor Program, seven million people currently registered on the database. And there was one perfect match for me, just one. It was a 19-year-old female. They said, Mr. Monroe, your bone marrow transplant is scheduled for April 23rd. You're gonna get a brand new birthday. They said, you are gonna be like a baby inside the womb all over again. The nurses celebrate your new birth in the hospital. Now, I heard that terminology before, too, somewhere at the churches that I had attended. But literally, I was going to be born anew. And then I'll never forget, on April 23rd, they brought this bag of blood into my room. And everyone was hoping in that moment that my body would receive that new life, that new blood. I sit here today. 100% completely cancer free. When they look at my blood today, they see a 19 year old female. They see her, they see XX chromosome. I'm reminded of a verse in Galatians 2. It says, uh, it's no longer I who live, but it's someone else who lives on the inside of me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith. John 17, 3, it says, This is eternal life, knowing you, God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent.
I'm fully convinced of the claims of Jesus as a skeptical person and as an illusionist. I know that the God of the universe has brought me back behind the curtain just like I asked him to. Cancer was how he did it through my life. And there's a spiritual cancer that's eating us away on the inside. And we're all longing, we're all begging for someone to step in and to save us from that condition. God looks at your heart. And God sees that you have a spiritual heart disease. And that spiritual heart disease is called sin. And we're all sinners. That means we've broken the laws of God. We've disobeyed God. We've rebelled against God. And because we've rebelled against Him, we're going to have to face a judgment. Oh yes, there's coming a judgment. There'll be some day when you will stand before God at the great judgment day and you'll have to give an account of your life here and you'll have to give an account of what you did with Jesus Christ on this very night because there's going to be a judgment but God's judgment is also tempered by his love and his mercy he's willing to forgive you tonight he's willing to give you a chance tonight no matter how much time you've wasted in the past you can still have tomorrow I was sitting in the back of the church, slouched down in my chair with my arms crossed, and the preacher began to speak, and everything he said was straight to my heart, like I was the only person in the room. And he stops in the middle of what he's saying, and he says, there's a suicidal spirit in the room, and God wants you to know that he loves you. All the hair stood up on the back of my neck. I was like, this is just really freaking me out. I gotta get out of here. I got up and went towards the door after he dismissed the church and a man grabbed me by the arm and he was a white-headed old man and he said, God wants me to speak to you and he wants you to know that even though you've never known an earthly father, that he will be a better father to you than any earthly father could ever be. He said, he's seen you when you cry yourself to sleep at night. And when he said that, it really shook me because I cried myself to sleep every night since I was 10 years old. If I didn't cry, I couldn't sleep. But he said he sees you and you cry yourself to sleep at night. And he loves you so much. And he sent his son Jesus to die and bleed on a cross to take all of the pain that you're experiencing on himself so you don't have to experience it. He said, do you want him to take that from you? Because he died to take it. And I was like, well, you can try it. <laughs> you know, he was like, can I pray for you for that? And I was like, you can try it. I don't really believe in all this, but I know something crazy is happening right now. And so he put his hand on my shoulder and began to pray. And he said something like, God, I pray that you would wrap your arms around your daughter and let her know how much you love her. In my life I searched for something to satisfy the longing in my heart. And every time I come away, empty
that moment, something you just can't explain that you have to experience, where I really felt like I was in front of the God of the universe. And the thing that I noticed, first of all, was that this God was so holy and awesome, and I was so not that. Some of you think that you're too bad to come to God. Have done too many things and gone too far. God's not waiting to judge you. God's not waiting to condemn you. God loves you. He sent his son to die on the cross for you, to shed his blood for you. He wants to put his arms around you and receive you. And he will take you and forgive you and love you and be your friend. This God was so holy and awesome. And if God had said, go away, it would have been right. It would have been justice for me. I know it. But the craziest thing was that he's drawing me in and taking me into his arms and saying, I love you just the way you are. I'm not shocked by any of this. And if you let me, I'll make you new. I'm just so thankful that God sees us different than we are. He doesn't turn away, but he still looks at us with love. It's amazing to think that God is a father like that. of that, all I have to do is believe it and say, yes, change me. Yes, make me new. In Romans, the sixth chapter says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In 1 Peter, it says, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness. He became sin. Think of it. Jesus Christ is pure, this wonderful, the greatest person that ever lived, the holiest person that ever lived, the Son of the living God, became sin. He had never known sin, and he became guilty at that moment of adultery. He became guilty of lying, of idolatry. He became guilty of every ugly, dirty thing you can think of, because it was your sins poured out on him. Through Christ, we can have the most fundamental relationship in life restored. You say, well, Billy, what in the world do I have to do? First, you must repent of your sins. The apostle Peter said, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins be blotted out. What does repentance mean? Repentance means that you come to God and say, God, I'm sorry I've sinned. And we're all guilty. Every one of us, everyone that's ever been born is guilty. Have you repented? Are you sure of it? It means that you not only say, God, I'm sorry. It means that you ask him to help you to turn from your sins, to change your way of living, to get rid of those old habits you shouldn't have. 
And then you must come by faith. By, without faith, it's impossible to please him. The word faith means that you totally trust. The scripture says in Romans 4, to him that worketh not, that believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness. I have to have righteousness to get into heaven. And I don't have any. Billy Graham is a sinner. I don't have any righteousness of my own. I come in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then the Bible says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. If you can work your way to heaven, you'd get up to heaven and boast to everybody. Look what I did. I was such a good person, I got here on my own. You get there totally because of Christ. In fact, the time is short calls for us to do something about it now because the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, now is the accepted time, not tomorrow, today. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. You can harden your heart. You hear a message like this and it can be very dangerous because you'll harden your heart. And the next time you hear the gospel, your heart will be harder and harder and harder. Come to Christ now. If there's even a whisper in your heart that you need to come, you come and say, Lord, you have all of me tonight. I want to be sure that I'm ready to meet you. Come now. Come now. If you'd like to receive Christ, then you can pray a prayer like I did. Like I did. Like I did. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sins. And I want to turn from my sins. I believe Jesus Christ is your son. I believe he died for my sin and that you raised him to life. I want to trust him as my savior and follow him as Lord. From this day forward, Jesus, I put my trust in you. And I surrender my life to you. And I surrender my life to you. I surrender my life to you. Please come into my life and fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Billy Graham when he began, or when the video began, made the statement, do you realize how important every single day is? And of course we don't. I ask you at this time, do you realize how important this moment is right now for you? Do you realize how important what you do right now is? for you. You've seen the testimony, the stories of three people, real life individuals. Some of you watched that Super Bowl game, saw that catch on his helmet, and the announcer said, never seen a catch like that before. Some of you watched the video when you came in of, of Jim Monroe. And to take a metal bar and to make it float. Maybe you've heard of Lacey Strom. Real people. Jim Monroe said, God, if you're real, then you've got to 
take me behind the curtains. You got, you got to help me know your existence is real. And he found out what substitution means. And the Bible talks about Jesus is our substitution. I should die. You should die. We should pay the penalty for our sins. But through the blood of Christ, He has become our substitution. By faith, we hear that. You've seen somebody talk about that. David Tyree said he came to the place to realize he was one person in public, but completely the opposite in private. And he said, if you heard his words, he said, I realized I was broken. That's hard for us to admit. Pride gets in the way. It's hard for us to admit we need somebody else's advice. It's hard for us to admit that we can't take care of ourselves. It's hard for us to admit that we're broken. And yet, the Bible tells us while we were sinners, broken people, Christ died for us. And Lacey Strum, if you listen to her story, full of doubt and depression that her life became of little value that she thought about taking it. Most Americans have acknowledged they have thought about that. Because you see, in America we know doubt and depression is real. And yet God confronted her about herself. Jesus came for you and I. Today, I encourage you to receive Him as Lord of your life and be consumed, become consumed with living your life the way He wants. Did you hear me? Today, in this moment, I don't care who you are, I encourage you to receive Christ as Lord of your life and become consumed. With His way of living. That means worship becomes regular. That means connect group becomes a part of your calendar. That means celebrate recovery. is what you go to and experience God's healing power. That means reading this Bible becomes a book that's important in your life. That means prayer is something you begin to engage in. That means love is what you allow God to do through you toward people who do not deserve love. Not people who you know are loving. It means forgiving and caring and serving. That's being consumed with His way of life. There are people who say, I don't want to go to hell, and I want to go to heaven, and they never experience salvation or eternal life or relationship with God. And they know it. And they will die in their sins. And they will experience an eternity separated from God. And they know why. Because Christ is not Lord and He does not consume their life. Today I invite you to receive Christ as Lord. Today I invite you to become consumed with His way of living. It's a step of faith. 
a step of faith. If you have your your worship handout, I'd like you to take it and turn to the inside page. It is normally the sermon notes. There I have printed the the uh, Romans ten thirteen. That's the last thing you saw on the screen. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The promise of God that if I will call upon the name of Jesus. That means repenting. Billy Graham explained that. That means turning from my way of living. You see, this is repentance. I'm going down the road of my life. And I realize I'm one person on the outside and a different person on the inside. I'm broken. I realize I need something. I'm so full of depression and doubt that God knocks on my life door and gets my attention. And I hear Him. And I say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for living unto myself. I'm sorry for me being the Lord of my life. Me being God of my life. And I turn to Jesus Christ. You just hear about it. You read about it. And by faith, you repent. You turn. And you begin seeking to live following Him. Sure. Satan attacks us. Even on that journey but we know i turned by faith and asked god to forgive me my sins and jesus become my lord everyone who calls on the name of the lord will be saved they said that prayer but that was so quick if today you would like to turn your life over to jesus christ as lord i have printed the prayer they said on the screen And I'm going to invite you in just a little bit. I'm going to invite us in just a little bit to bow our heads. And I'm going to say, if you have not, if you do not know for sure that you have turned your life over to Jesus today, I'm going to invite you to turn your life over to Jesus and become consumed with living life His way. The words in this prayer speaks that. And I'll ask you to pray that prayer with me. Your mind's voice to God, He hears. Do you realize how important this moment is? Billy Graham made the statement about Adlai Stevenson who was governor of Illinois for two terms. And Adlai Stevenson said, it's not the days in your life, but the life in your days that count. Jesus Christ wants to bring the relationship with God into our life right now, into our days right now, and for eternity. If you would like to receive Him as Lord, then I invite you to pray this prayer as I read it out loud. Would everyone just bow their heads, please? And you repeat after me if you've not received Christ as Lord or you're not certain. You can look at the prayer. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I believe Jesus Christ is your son. I believe he died for my sins and you raised him to life. I want to trust him as my savior and follow him as Lord. From this day forward, Jesus, I put my trust in you. And I surrender my life to you. Please come into my life. 
and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I ask you if you prayed that prayer, there's a connection card there. I ask you to put your name, your phone number, some way that I can just contact you to let you know that I'm praying for you concerning your following Jesus Christ. And I ask you to mark the very last blanks as today I prayed to ask Jesus in my life. And I ask you to mark that so I would know that. And then just tear that off or drop the entire worship hand out in that box back there. It's an important decision you make. It's something we should not be ashamed of. It's something that God invites all of us to do. And I hope today you've done that. You take that with you if you didn't. And you think about this. You see, God doesn't say this just has to happen in a church. It can happen in a bedroom. It can happen in a parking lot. It can happen in your car. If you would, I'd like for you to, to turn to the front page of the worship handout. It, it talks about Christmas Sunday. That's next Sunday, the Sunday before Christmas. And you can see we're going to have a special day. If you read that little paragraph, it says there's two times during the year when people who do not go to church regularly are more sensitive to go to, to attend a worship experience in a church building. That's Christmas and that's Easter. And this is Christmas. And if you have a family member, if you have a neighbor, if you have a friend, I want to encourage you to invite them to be with us next Sunday. We're not supposed to have all this snow and that would be good. Maybe a little bit warmer. But you invite them. You bring them. Tell them you'll bring them. And then take them out maybe for a meal afterwards on you. But seek to invite your friends, your family to come and be with us next Sunday. You can get an idea of the worship by, by reading down through that. Let me say this also. I thank you for, for parking accordingly. I think we've got almost 70 cars out here. 60 to 70 cars. Stop and think. We'll have more people. We, we can't park back here or over here. That's 20-some parking places we lose. That's why we have to park this way. hate having to tell you that. There's no lines for you to, to park. If the lines were out there, we could have put almost all these cars in the lines. Okay? And so we do that, not to be bossy, but trying to make room for somebody else. And sometimes when you and I pull in, we say, well, i got a spot. Big deal about someone else. It's not the way we think at Connection. Big deal about someone else. People of connection. I wish all of us thought this way. But many of us are always thinking about the next person. And always thinking about someone else. That comes from following Jesus Christ as Lord. I appreciate your willing to work. And I appreciate Brian. You know, it's not easy to tell you where to park. Okay? And he knows that. And I appreciate the extra guys that went out there to help the ladies come in. I appreciate so much that attitude of service. I thank you for that. Now listen, next week, I don't know whether we're going to be able to park still around here. And we're going to have more people. So I would ask you to do this if you can. If your family comes in two vehicles, try to carpool. Try to carpool. Try to bring one vehicle. Try to make it possible for us to have room to put more cars. Okay? The only other thing I know to do, because I don't think we're going to be able to park in the grass, is we park right along this rock drive. That means you 
get out and you don't leave then until the car in front of you leaves. If you're willing to do that when you come next week, that'd be great just to do that. Okay? And you just park and then the next car behind you won't leave until you leave. Hey, it may be a blessing to sky. Somebody may give you a $20 bill to get out of their way. Okay? But we've got to, we've got to leave space out here because chances are more people come. A lot more than today if the weather allows it. Let me also say, it is still below freezing out there. Going up that, that little ramp, in a sense, to the highway can be difficult. You can go right straight. Don't go around this way. And by all means, if you park back here next week, stay in the tracks. Don't get off on the side. You'll be stuck. And then none of us will get out of here until the tow truck comes. But you can go right behind the building, alongside the building, and out that road. And you'll have no incline except there's a little bit of rise in the, in the highway out here. But, but that's not any problem. I drove that. And you'll be right there at the corner. And you won't have any problem pulling out in the highway. So you could go that way. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I get tired of being the person who always got to give instructions. But that's just the position that I have. Be safe. One other thing. When you leave, two people have fallen. As careful as we're trying to be. Two people have fallen. So I'm going to tell you what I have told some of the people that I helped in. Don't walk like you're a supermodel on the runway. You know how that is. See, you get out there and you're going... Don't do that. Spread out and go slow. Walk like me, an old man. Okay? Be careful. I would recommend you don't go off the center part of this concrete. That's one of the slickest places out here because there's just a little bit of incline with those rocks. And you'll step there and you'll talk and you'll slide right off. Go off the side where there's snow. Okay? And you people driving, don't be so stupid that you would think it's funny that you would accidentally hurt somebody because you think it's funny. Okay? Don't be so stupid that you would hurt somebody. Be very careful and be patient, okay? There didn't happen to be any questions in regard to the video, okay? Let's bow together and then we're finished. Father, I thank You for this time. And I thank You for the challenge that's come to us through through these three adult people and their story. I thank You for them not being ashamed to share them. And Father, I thank You for Jesus Christ and that through Him, listen, that through Him, God, I thank You that our lives can be renewed. That we do not have to remain prisoners to where sin takes us and holds us. But that God, the chains of of, of sin can be broken and that we can be liberated through Jesus Christ. Father, I praise You for that. And I pray that connection will be a church that will help people find that freedom that comes in living and loving like Jesus. It's in His name we pray. Amen.